GVHD Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support. Hello and welcome to the GVHD Hub Podcast. Today we'll be hearing from Nada Hamad of St Vincent's Hospital in Sydney, Australia, and Sylvie Lachance of Hôpital Maisonneuve-Rosemont in Montreal, Canada. Hello um, and welcome to GBHD Hub. I'm Associate Professor Nada Hamad and I'm joined by Professor Sylvie Lachance. We are here to talk about quality of life and the unmet need that it demonstrates in GBHD. Sylvie and I worked on a number of abstracts during ASH this year, looking at quality of life in acute and chronic GBHD. Sylvie, I'm going to turn it to you and let me you know, want to hear what you think about the abstracts that we presented this year. What was so interesting about them, do you think? So hello, Nada. Thank you for the invitation. So I'm Dr. Sylvie Lachance. Well, I think uh, first we give patient a voice by focusing on patient reported outcomes. Uh, we let patient express the impact uh, of graft versus host disease have uh, on their life, on their day-to-day life. So basically uh, what we were able to demonstrate is that the severity of graft versus host disease have a significant impact on quality of life on several aspects of the day-to-day life. And not surprisingly, also, uh, being uh, cortico-resistant or being stuck with uh, corticosteroid treatment for a long period of time also impact quality of life. What is your aspect uh, on that topic, Neda? You know, it's really interesting because it's not something that we as clinicians didn't know. We see this in the clinic. We see this on the ward on a day-to-day basis. But I think what's important is sometimes capturing that information objectively and documenting it really demonstrates our ability to listen to patients and really validating that experience. And documenting lived experience of patients has become an area of interest of mine because sometimes, um, you know, patients feel unheard or unseen in some of the things that they're experiencing. And one of the aspects that came out of the abstracts was that, was that feeling of hopelessness embarrassment, worries about the future. These are things that patients may not articulate to us so readily on a ward round when we're busy on the ward looking after them and asking them questions about their rash or you know, their diarrhea or any of those physical complaints that we ask about because that's what we're trained to do. So you know, capturing that lived experience to me means everything because I think in medicine, sometimes we have a blind spot for how people experience disease, because we're, we're naturally very focused on the biology, the pathology, the treatment options, the research. And I think it was a humbling moment really to see that on paper, those, those symptoms and those feelings of depression and sadness. It really made me contextualize the, the information that we talk about in you know, big papers and clinical trials what does it actually mean to patients? That was quite powerful, I thought, from a human level. I totally agree. They have the knowledge to truly uh, express the impact of the symptoms on their, on their day-to-day life. And they do that in, in, in a fashion that is uh, that we are able uh, to capture and, and to um, express uh, uh, very vividly. 
And I think it taught me a lesson as well about how we ask questions. You know, in the clinic, we're trained in medicine to ask questions in a particular interrogative way. We may not necessarily always, um, you know, ask those specific questions about the feelings of sadness and worry and embarrassment. So, you know, putting them in a tool that captures that information made me rethink about, you know, how I might ask questions to my patients and perhaps explore those more openly and more frequently with patients. I think that, you know, the way we do things routinely doesn't necessarily always suit the purpose, particularly with chronic diseases and diseases like GBHD where you know, they're quite um, entangled with the stress of survival because with bone marrow transplantation, of course, everybody knows that these patients have almost terminal illnesses, that the intention is to use a very highly complex, high cost and high risk procedure to save their lives. So we do have a specific focus around survival. And so we may miss those cues around the psychosocial impact of graft-versus-host disease and even the transplant process itself. Um, so seeing that on paper was a little bit confronting because I thought, do I ask those questions really on a day-to-day -day basis? And I probably don't ask that enough. Um, and perhaps we ought to integrate that into our day-to-day -day a bit better. I also agree. Um, I think that we are well aware of the impact of Graves-Rose disease on the uh, quality of life, but also on the day-to-day -day life of our patient. We know that it has a significant impact on their survival when it's certainly uh, severe. What we were able to capture is a little bit more deep and, and uh, probably a reflection of their, the patient on their disease and on the um, uh, um, fullness of how they could express um, the way they live uh, with some of the manifestation and also what are the impact of those manifestations on their entire family. Uh, because also when we are treating a patient, we're not only treating a patient, we, we treat also the significant other that are uh, surrounding our patient. And by um, expressing um, those symptoms and, and, and personal one, uh, they are also to give um, the uh, scientific uh, uh, community uh, tools uh, to understand and to try to uh, better um, um, uh, um, study uh, not only the mechanism of gravis os disease, but how we could impact some specific symptoms. And when we are opening the box of quality of life, there is a lot of management that we can uh, say uh, and, and that we can do uh, um, uh, to try to improve um, the, uh, the living of our, of our patient. So basically, not only it made us aware of the impact of significant gravis os disease on the survival and on a disease specific aspect of the day-to-day -day life of our patient, but also on their psychological way to deal uh, with those manifestations. And, and what is the impact of those manifestations on their capacity to return to work, for example, uh, to, do, uh, to take care of their children, uh, to be able to do things that we take for granted 
granted uh, most of us. So I think it also open, uh, not only it gives patient a voice, but it's an open eye for us uh, first to try to better uh, develop modality to prevent Graves-Russell's host disease because the best way to treat Graves-Russell's host disease is to prevent it. And also to think about intervention. When patient will become a partner is in his own, uh, in his own health. Uh, so to have a real partnership with our patient, trying to address uh, this extremely important uh, manifestation in their life, because most of them at the point that they fill out the questionnaire, relapse was not, uh, you know, an issue. Uh, they were, for my part, but looking at Gravis's O's disease, they were now looking uh, ahead uh, to try to go back to their uh, normal life. And certainly, uh, this study was able to demonstrate that, that there are several obstacles for them to go back to their day-to-day -day life. I think it also, you're very right, it also allows us to leverage this information in how we assess the value of interventions. Um, you know, the expense or the cost that might come with interventions. Is it something only about survival? Is it only about response to therapy? Or is it also about influencing quality of life? What do we value in the new interventions that are coming through and the research that we're doing in, in graft-versus-host disease treatment? I think, you know, quality of life needs to be front and center because unlike, you know, treatments that we see for diseases like lymphoma and myeloma, where we have very specific outcome measures that are um, quite important in terms of survival advantages and progression-free survival advantages, graft-versus-host disease responses are much more subtle and nuanced. Um, you may not necessarily get the objective measures um, that you would see in other, in, in other areas in hematology, but you, if you do see quality of life improvements that are not necessarily correlated with the physical improvements, that is also a win. I think that would be quite impactful and valuable in any intervention that we explore. So I think quality of life um, data should certainly be quite a, a, a big um, endpoint for us to look at in research in the future. And I, I really love the concept of um, using the patient voices to direct our future research and the way we report on the research that we do. Well, I think that self-reported symptoms is certainly a, a way to involve patient in their care it's also a way uh, to uh, realize a real partnership with our patient and their significant one. And I think that it takes into consideration topics that we are very uh, um, uh, comfortable to focus on, meaning symptoms manifestation, but it goes much further than that. And as you were mentioning, we are focused on survival, but we don't want our patient to survive. We want our patient not only to survive, but to live and to be able to go back to their normal activities. And by giving them a voice and by um, capturing their manifestation and giving them the power uh, to transmit and, and to express those manifestations, and, and to capture that in a scientific way, uh, it's certainly for me one of the way uh, to um, completely realize what 
we probably want to do in medicine is to partner with our patient and, and be considered as a team uh, working on the same issue and trying at the bottom line to improve uh, Graves-Russell's Olds disease uh, uh, um, treatment. And treatment of Graves-Russell's Olds disease is not only medication, it's prevention, it's medication, but it's also all uh, the intervention that we're going to uh, make uh, to try to improve those, those issues uh, that were uh, underlined by patients regarding their quality of life. I think it's um, also incredibly validating to, to see it on paper, you know, what we all know as clinicians internally and we try and account for. But once you see that the, the data really does demonstrate a very clear signal, you can start to really incorporate that into research or demand that that's part of clinical trials and part of clinical trial reporting or outcome reporting. So I don't really want to see a graft versus host disease clinical trial anymore that doesn't report on quality of life because we've demonstrated that's really important. Um, I think I think that's really valuable. And it demonstrates a lot of areas of unmet need. Certainly in GVHD, there's a lot of unmet need, but certainly it has consolidated or validated the approach that we've all known that it's a multidisciplinary um, approach to GVHD. You know, it is a body and mind uh, type of disease. It's a chronic disease that requires multiple disciplines to be involved. And certainly the psychological aspects should not be ignored. And sometimes resources can restrict that and limit that. But having that data on paper really does allow me to, um, you know, advocate for patients to have access to psychology uh, support um, and social support. I don't think, um, you know, when you have it on paper like that, people find it very difficult to deny that that is a requirement um, to management uh, of BMT and GVHD patients. So, you know, that validation for what we know and what we want to do for our patients and advocating for patients is really quite powerful. And I'm really hope, hoping that the manuscripts can um, really support us all in doing what we want to do for our patients. I would I totally agree with you that it, we cannot envision uh, currently, um, even in other uh, topics uh, related to uh, stem cell transplant, I think it would be difficult not to consider and study uh, patient-reported symptoms and patient-reported outcomes. And those studies, and particularly the one involving uh, new intervention, new medication, because response is not only resolution of the manifestation or of some manifestation, but how do patients tolerate the medication? How do patient tolerate the intervention and what is the impact of this intervention on their day-to-day -day life. So I do, I do agree uh, that patient-reported symptoms should be not part of all the uh, investigation. Uh, and, and I think that it certainly uh, uh, underlines the capacity, the, the reliability, as well as the, um, uh, uh, the sensitivity uh, of patient to be able to transmit, transfer uh, significant uh, information and how valuable is those information for the uh, scientific community while trying uh, to develop study uh, and while trying to develop newer interventions. 
I, I completely agree. And I found this conversation so rewarding because even though we've worked on this together, so we really haven't had a, a philosophical conversation like this about these abstracts. This has been really lovely and quite enriching, uh, you know, in terms of having a bigger picture view of what we do. You know, sometimes we got really caught up in, in trying to get the work done. But really, I think in medicine in general, in this era of COVID, in this area of um, thinking about the lived experience, gender equity, diversity and inclusion, we've all started to think a little bit more openly um, and differently perhaps about how we do things. And I think, you know, it's filled me with a great sense of hope around medicine in general, but certainly what we do because it's very hard, it's emotionally challenging. Um, and this was really one of those projects that um, was really quite personally enjoyable and valuable to me. Yes, I do agree. It was quite rewarding. And I think uh, the best reward we can have is that it will have an impact on our, on our patient. So it was extremely pleasant to speak to you from Canada through Australia with a strong yeah. friend accent from my part. So I enjoy speaking with you about Gravis' O's disease and about self-reported, patient self-reported uh, outcomes. So take care. Enjoy the meeting. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the GVHD Hub podcast. We would also like to thank our supporters Insight and Novartis. GVHD Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support.